Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. This morning, I want to talk about abiding in love at the end of the age. Okay? So we're going to bring some of that in here. We're going to pepper some of that in here and the beauty of abiding in love at the end of the age because not only did Jesus talk about it in John, it's like the last thing he said to his disciples um, before he went to the cross. And so not only did he speak about that, but he um, then went in in Matthew and he was talking about the, the, the days of the end the days of sorrow that would come right before the tribulation, and he began to, and he brings it in again about abiding. And so I wanted to talk to that. But I want to put a pause on that for a minute because I actually had a word. I have a word for the body of Christ uh, that the Lord is raising up and preferring leaders who wash the feet of those they lead. I heard him say, I have no use for leaders who demand their sheep wash their feet. So I see a shift happening and those with uh, humble hearts and a fear of the Lord, those that, that walk in meekness saying, how can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I wash your feet? And they don't demand that of themselves, that, that shift is taking place right now. So, amen? amen. Hallelujah. All right, so we're going to have a foot washing service next week. Just kidding. <laughs> you tell people you're, they're going to wash their feet, and all of a sudden they're like, you're not touching my feet. No offense. Feet are weird. All right, so turn in your Bibles. We're going to be, um, I'm going to be highlighting today. We're going to read the Bible. I hope you have a Bible. I like paper. I like the paper Bible because see all the places where I get to highlight and I circle things, certain words. And anyway, Matthew 24. So we are going to go, we're going to start over here in verse 32. All right, knowing God at the end of the age, abiding in love at the end of the age. Um, all right, so when Jesus was there and he was talking to his disciples, what he was doing is he was basically saying, okay, we're in a time of transition. He knew he was coming to the end. He knew he was com there, was a, there was an end to the age that the Jewish people had been living in. And he had come to demonstrate the kingdom and what his people, the, the new creation, was going to look like. So, so then right before he dies, he begins to say, now I'm going to give you a summary of everything because we're transitioning. We're transitioning. Everything's about to change. Right now in the body of Christ, once again, we are in the transitioning. He's transitioning us from one age into the millennial age. Okay? We're about to be on the earth with Jesus ruling and reigning. And Satan and all of his minions are going to be cast into a lake of fire. So, so what happens as it was then, the first church was birthed into a time of shaking. It was a time of incredible persecution. 
they were operating in the greatest level of signs and miracles that had ever been seen in the earth. And they were doing what Jesus did. Right? Once again, this is happening. And so, you know how you have mold in your house? And sometimes you don't know you have mold in your house because it's back behind the walls or something where something... Well, what happens is we've got mold in our house. And the Lord is cutting out the sheetrock to show us what's been there all along and what is actually making his people sick. All right? So we need to start saying, God, thank you for tearing up the walls of the house so we can rebuild it and you're cleaning your house. Amen? This is truly the greatest hour in all of church history, even greater than the days of the first church. So as this stuff happens, it's like what it does is when things start to shake, you figure out what you're made of. What do you really believe? And let me tell you something, and I want to encourage you in this. It's time. If you don't have oil in your lamp, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, you better get it, and you better get it yesterday. Because when it's time, you can't, and this is for all the teenagers, don't be looking for your mom's faith. Don't be looking for your mom and dad's oil because you're going to need your own oil. Everybody stands before God at the end of the age and he's going to ask the question, do you know me? Not, hey, can you go get your mom and dad because they know me. Okay, that was free for whoever needed to hear that. You're welcome. (laughs) Every parent in here is like, amen. (laughs) so we've got the great and the terrible day of the lord great for those who know god terrible for those who don't all right so i don't know if any of you have noticed recently or if any of you i shop at walmart because you know they have a very small organic section um but everything's cheaper there and i feed a lot of people so whatever um walmart how many of you have been there and there's like nothing on the shelves have you noticed that we are in the middle of a increasing food shortage? Did how many of you knew that we have what they are calling an interior land hurricane that hit Iowa last week? Let me read this to you. It wiped out 10 million acres of farmland. Now, guess who that farmland feeds? Everybody sitting in this room. It wiped out 43% of their crops in Iowa. Okay? We want Iowa to be okay. Because I don't know about you, but I like to eat. It said that this storm lasted for 14 hours and camped out over that state. They have been without electricity for a week. They can't get out of their driveways because everything has been so destroyed. There are power lines down everywhere. FEMA is not showing up. Nobody is going to help them. 
They are in desperate situation right now. Did you know that we have had locusts of biblical proportion eating the crops in Kenya, Ethiopia, Uganda, Somalia, India, and Pakistan. They have swarmed and completely destroyed the crops in these nations. Mm -hmm. Also, through shutting down restaurants and the schools, what happened is that the demand for food and the order for food crops stopped. So our supply chain stopped. Whole fields full of onions, bell peppers, whole uh, dairy farms poured out all of the reserves of milk. That means that during that time, this time that we're living in, all of that has stopped. They have, they have destroyed and didn't even use or, or they didn't even ask them to put these, these onions and these peppers and all of these veggies in, in places where they could dry. They were destroyed. Well, guess what happens? That's why there's no food on the shelves. Because everything, do you see what's happening here? And the thing is, is that God, in his mercy, left us, those who have an eye to see and an ear to hear, told us about the times that we would be living in. He gave us the, the crib notes. Remember those in college? How many of you actually read the books? Not me. I was like, I'm going to get the crib notes. He gave us. Cliff, I'm sorry. Cliff, see how well I did in college? <laughs> I was in the baby bed, the crib, reading my notes. Actually, I, yeah, I slept through the class. <laughs> Thank you, Dora. I know, right? Cliff, clear, okay. Anyway, all right, focus, okay. So, what I want to talk to you about is the Lord really talks about the kingdom. And the thing about the body of Christ is that we, we kind of know about how to live in a, in a church life, like the church age. Like, we get church. Okay, we're going to go to church. And so it's a process that we've, we've all been ingrained in. Um, I actually didn't grow up in the church. Thank God. I'm not saying that. But I, did, I never got, hear my heart on this, I never got birthed into a system, I got birthed into supernatural life. And really, that's who we're created to be, supernatural people, okay? We're, we're called to be in the kingdom, and the kingdom is a supernatural system that we live out of. We don't live out of the things of the earth. We actually live out of the things that are in heaven. So it's like, how do we, that's why I have it over the doors, see, access heaven, transform the earth. So let's be Pentecostal here for a minute. Turn to your neighbor and say, access heaven, transform the earth. Amen. Very good. All right. So in Matthew 24, here's what Jesus is doing. He's asked by the disciples. He's like, 
uh, hey, tell us about the the end of the age. What is this? What it, before the day before you come? You know, or the the age before you come? And he said, do not be deceived. So in other words, people are going to be lying to you. Don't be stupid. Pay attention. Look at Jesus. Amen. All right. So he's telling them this. And, and then he goes on and he tells them events, markers. Here's some markers, some things in the natural that you can look at and say, huh. All right. So then he goes on and he talks about, let's start in um, verse 32. He says, now learn this. He starts to tell all these parables, okay? So the parables that he's talking about here are different than the parables that he talks about everywhere else in the Bible. Why? Because these parables apply to the transition. And he's saying about these, he's telling you these parables because the parables will help prepare you for, uh, to prosper in the time of transition. And he says this about verse 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that the summer is near. So you also, so when you see all these things, say all these things, know that it is near at the door. I say to you, assuredly, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Okay, so he talks about this fig tree, and you're like, okay, that's kind of weird. Well, what is the fig tree? The fig tree is Israel. So, Never in the history of mankind has a nation and its people and its language and its customs been reestablished 2,000 years after they were dispersed to the four corners of the earth. They would always assimilate like the Romans. You don't see any Romans these days, right? You don't see any Romans, do you? No. Right? Okay. But Israel maintained their traditions their language, their culture, even though they were away from their homeland. 2,000 years passed by, a sign and a wonder happens. All of a sudden, their nation is reestablished. Why? Because God said it would. It's a sign. It's a marker that when you see the fig tree, Israel beginning to prosper in the earth and be established as a nation, then this generation will not pass away until you begin to see the signs of the change, the transition, the days of sorrow, the great tribulation. Okay? It's a sign. It's a marker. It's already happened They've now been a nation for 70 years. A generation can be anywhere from 40, 70 to 100 years. I'd say you're about to see some crazy cool stuff. To those that know their God, they will do great exploits. It is your finest hour. I'm telling you, those saints... And the great cloud of witnesses are so excited for you. So you don't have to be afraid because you're like, oh, we're about to have a lot of fun. I'm going to raise the dead, finally. Yeah. 
Then it says no one knows the day or the hour. So you're not going to know the day or the hour. This isn't an RSVP kind of thing, like come to the party. It's this time, this day, this hour. Okay, it's not like that kind of thing. Because he said no one knows the day or the hour except for the Father, not even the Son. All right? No, The angels don't know. No one knows. Okay? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that you can know the, the generation of the Lord's return because of the markers that he's left us. All right, but then he gives a parable, and he talks to us about the faithful and evil servant. And he says here in verse 45, Who then is faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his, over his household, to give him food in due season? What season is he talking about? He's talking about the season of the fig tree, and he's talking about the season of transition, and he's talking about the leaders of his people. These servants are the servants that he has left in charge. These servants are the pastors who are over his people. And it says this in verse 36, Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find him in doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. And then he says this in verse 48, but if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying and is coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on that day when he is not looking for him and in that hour he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. Oh boy. So, He's saying to the leadership of his church, you better be telling them about the day of my return and you better be telling them to watch. Because it says here in, in, um, in chapter 24, several times, watch therefore, watch therefore, watch therefore. Tell them to be watching and to pray and to intercede begin to teach them how to come before me and to carry the things that I'm telling them to carry in this hour or I'll cut you in two now I don't know about you but I I, I didn't sign up for that you know I'm all about you know eating right and exercising but cutting in two is just not on the plan okay all right, so the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. And then he goes in and he's talking about the, the and, and the virgins are his people, his church. It's you. It's me. We're virgins, okay? He's coming back for a bride, right? There's going to be a wedding. You're the virgins. I'm the virgins, pure and spotless and beautiful, okay? We're pure and spotless and beautiful. Why? Because we're gazing on him. As we gaze on him, we become like him. We begin to think like him. I know a lot of people that don't think like Jesus. They think like the world. And they're double-minded. They're dualistic in their approach. And so a double-minded man is unstable. Okay? Don't be unstable. All right. So, the, the, so you've got the five wise and the five foolish virgins. Okay? So you basically got those that are abiding, like we've been talking about this summer. Those that are abiding, the wise virgins are abiding. They're getting oil in their lamp. What is oil? Oil is a couple of things. It's intimacy. It's also testimonies of experience through abiding. 
okay? So you have experience in going up and down, up and down, up and down. See, the way that we're supposed to operate is not that much different than the angels, okay? We are messengers. What are angels? Messengers. We are messengers. What do we do? We transform the earth through the messages that we're getting. You are basically FedEx, okay? You know, you are a universal FedEx system. Notice I didn't say postal. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> okay, virgins. All right. The abiding church versus the religious church. The abiding church versus the religious church, okay? So I can't give you my oil. There's coming a day when it's going to be time out. There's no more time to get oil or to understand the ways of the kingdom because it's time now for you to begin to reproduce food out of nothing. How do you believe if you have no experience doing it? Like all of a sudden, you don't know God, and you're going to be like, what do I do? How do I feed my family? Oh, wait, I guess I will take the mark of the beast. And somehow, you'll rationalize it saying, oh, this isn't really the mark of the beast. All of those Christians who are saying it is the mark of the beast, it isn't the mark of the beast. And it's not going to have a label on it that says, this is mark of the beast. But the word tells us in Revelation 13, I think it's 13 or is it 17? No, 13, 13 verse 17, it tells us about the mark of the beast that you can't buy or sell without it. Well, what happens is it's, it's the difference between the abiding church will not take the mark of the beast, the religious church will take the mark of the beast, and this is where the great falling away happens because they don't understand how to, how to take what's in heaven and bring it down to the earth. So, who are you going to be? It may look like a vaccination. I don't know. It's going to look like something, but it won't be a mystery to those that know their God. You'll know that you know that you know that you know, and you'll be able to help others and say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, okay? All right. Next, the talents. Okay, it's kind of strange that he would put this here, but yet not strange, okay? So he talks about the parable of the talents. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a faraway country. He called his own servants and delivered. Oh, uh, I'm in 25 verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Okay? He divided up the talents. You guys know the story. Okay? So you've got the five, the three, and the one. Okay? So, or is it the ten, the five, and the one? Ten, the five, and the one. All right. So he divides them up. So everybody gets different amounts. Right? So, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of you have 10, and then some of you have five, and others of you have one, okay? And so, we're, you know, I don't know how that works and why we all didn't get 10, but anyway, whatever. But the point is, is that all of these talents, as we invest them, they actually will create an inheritance for God and for you. 
So it's like, okay, <clears throat> at the end of the age, we've got to be really good investors. Say investors. All right. We've got to be good at investing heaven's resources so that we can reproduce an inheritance for God in the earth. Okay. So, he talks about, he's really excited about what the first two did, the ten and the five, or is it five and three? Hold on. Five, two, one. Thank you. Or is it, are you sure? Five, three, five, two. All right. Anyway, so he's really excited about the five and the two. Okay. Yes, you're right about that. Um, so he's very excited about that. He's like, you guys did a great job. Look, you know how to invest what I gave you. You sowed it, you invested it, and it's reproduced a, 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 a return for me. I'm so, ex I'm so excited about this. So he's praising them, and he's saying, because you did so well at that, I'm actually going to give you more. Well, what is he talking about? Is he talking about the more coming to them when they die? No, he's talking about the more coming to them while they're still on the earth. And, and I want to I wanna tell you this because it's really interesting because most people are like, yeah, Jesus doesn't care about, it. oh, yeah, you know, the tithe is, is done with. It doesn't actually exist anymore. Or, uh, yeah, we don't need to do that anymore because we're in the new covenant. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me here, right? Jesus himself stood by and judged everything that everybody gave. I mean, think about that today. If, if, if the boxes are up here and I'm standing up here going, man, that's good. Whoa, look how much you gave. That's amazing. Oh, look, she gave a mite. She gave just one cent. Actually, she, and then I stood before all of you and said, she gave more than the rest of you. I mean, he's commenting on how much, I mean, so, so the fact that he doesn't see and he doesn't know, I'm telling you, right now he's having a conversation with the father and he's saying, nope, look, this is how much this person is investing what I gave them. This is how much this person is investing what I gave them. Why is that important? Do you think he cares about your money or your talents? Oh, talents or money, by the way. That can be a lot of things. They can be words. You know, I found that seeds in the Bible are two things, money and words. That's what Jesus said they are, okay? So those two things we get to invest in the ground and they will reproduce a harvest for us. And this is what, this is, this is, I'm going to challenge some of you on this, okay? So pay attention to this. Because we preach the kingdom, but we so integrate it into the whole network of the, of the church that we actually lose the full measure of the blessing of living in the kingdom. Because the kingdom influences every aspect of your life, including your money. Now, I want to tell you something about this church. We are not a prosperity gospel church. We are a kingdom church. But I'll tell you something else about this church. We are not a poverty gospel church. I do not believe that the poorer you are, the more holy you are. Jesus said, 
I have come to make myself poor so that you can be rich. Do you know what that word means? It means to be rich. He said, I own a cattle on a thousand hills and the silver and the gold is mine. Why would he say that? Because he's saying you can access things in heaven and bring them down to the earth. And you're like, but wait, what? So you want me to work harder? And he's saying, no, I want you to rest harder. Now, I heard this years ago, about 15 years ago. I was at a Heidi Baker thing, and she mostly said, whoa, through the whole thing. <laughs> Most anointed conference I've ever been to. I was like, girl, you, I'm not sure you know how to preach, but that whoa got us all on the floor. Amen? I love that woman. So anyway, but she said something that just, it, I, I was like, wait, stop, wait, what did she just say? She said, you know, I never ask anybody for money. And I'm like, what? She said, I, because I know how to get money out of heaven. And I was like, what, what, what? Did anybody else hear that? Well, there's money in heaven? How come nobody told me that there's money in heaven? You know, I'm thinking, I mean, I'm, I'm healing the sick. I mean, coronavirus. I'm calling people on the phone now because I don't have time to go to everybody's houses. So I just call them on the phone and, and all their symptoms are leaving. I'm just like, praise the Lord. All right, so what? I didn't do anything. I just, my finger on my human hand pushed the buttons and said, hi, I'm just here. The Lord sent me to say something, but it's really him. And so I just bring what's in heaven on the earth, right? I encourage you to do that. Call people with coronavirus, whatever, pray for them. So, I mean, heal them. So, um, again, where was I? Heidi Baker. Yeah. All right. Again, we do all this healing. I prophesy. You prophesy and you're like, woo, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. But when it comes to money, it goes, oh, no, I got this, brother. Nope. And I work sundown to sun up or the other way around. And I'm telling you, I can work anybody. I just work. I work. Really? Oh, God, it, the kingdom applies to everything except for that. No, I want you to do this just like the world does it. But everything else, let's, everything else is holy. Come on, man. I'm talking some truth here to you. See, this part about the talents is important for you to understand because he's going to be watching the way you invest in the time of transition because this the poor guy with the one talent, okay? Let's just, whew. It says in verse 24, Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathered where you had not scattered seed. I knew you to be a hard man. So the guy that didn't know God, didn't know the nature and the character of God, that he's kind and generous and loving, that he's a second chance God, that he's always merciful, he's always gracious, he's always kind, that this is the nature of our Father and we don't have to worry. And this is what the Lord told me, Tracy, you can hold on to your lack or you can participate in my prosperity. You can hold on to your lack or you can participate in my abundance. What does a fearful person do? No, 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 I can't let go of this. Okay? Come on, baby, come on. Ow! All right. 
verse 25. And I was afraid. That's what he said. I was afraid. I was afraid. Guess what's going to happen? You can't buy or sell. It's coming. I'm telling you, this train has left the station. You are not going to be able to buy or sell. What are you going to do? If you don't have a history of, of, of going to heaven, getting it, and bringing it to the earth, it's going to be real hard to stand in that hour and not take the mark of the beast. All right. I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. And the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and I gather where I have not scattered seed. In other words, you should have known I'm a supernatural God, and I can take the thing that you invest and transform it into a hundredfold return for you. Amen. Come on. So, um... John and I, and, I, and, and uh, <laughs> this did not come to us overnight because the revelation of this came through a lot of suffering. So there was a season that we went through um, where uh, John was building his business and it, it was struggling, struggling, struggling. And so we had all of these children. You know, the thing about kids is that they eat a lot. And then we had four in college at the same time. <laughs> And we, and we, and yeah, so it was hard. Anyway, so the Lord um, took us to task, and he said to us, I want you to give twice. I want you to start tithing twice what you're tithing. So not 10%, but 20%. And we were like, okay. And we looked at each other, and we're like, this is the Lord. And John said, let's pray and make a vow to the Lord that we're going to start sowing 20%. And so we did. We said, Lord, we love you, and we just say yes to you. We say yes to you. <clears throat> so the next month, now this is what happens. Whenever you step out in faith, it is like clockwork. The enemy's going to come immediately and try to do what? Steal the seed. Okay. So... The next month, John was on commission. The next month, our check was half, say half, of what we needed to pay our bills. So we couldn't even pay our bills. Half of what we needed to pay our bills on the time that we said that we would give twice as much in tithe. So we were like, okay. And we looked at each other and we said, and John said, nope, we're doing this. So we didn't even wait for Sunday to come. Okay, we stuck our check in the mail. We were like, nope, we're, nope. And it's like sticking it in there going, thank you, Jesus. There it goes. You know, can you get it back out? Nope. I've tried. It doesn't work. Yeah, it's not like eating birthday cake the next day out of the garbage. How many of you have done that? Whatever, every girl here knows what I'm talking about. They're like, yeah, you know how you throw it away and you're like, throw it away. I can't eat it. I'm not going to eat it. And then the next morning you wake up and you're like, it's probably still good. <laughs> That's right. Just take everything off of it. You get your fork, you're eating it out of the garbage. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we sow our seed now, now I, I have a situation because I've now sown my seed. I don't have enough money to pay my bills 
and uh, I got a cupboard that has like beans and corn and stuff in cans, okay? So I'm like, all right, Lord, I don't even know what to say about this. But that night, that Sunday night, um, I looked at Sam, our son, who at the time was seven years old, eight years old. Anyway, he's in elementary school, and and his, his uh, you know, they grow up real fast, right? And um, uh, we're on DEFCON 5, you know, no expenditures, DEFCON 5, right? So you can't even think about spending money at DEFCON 5 unless it's for an essential. So I look at his jeans. He's only got one pair of jeans, okay? We're in wintertime. And, and his jeans were like up to here. Of course, this was before that was popular. <laughs> I took John shopping the other day, and I was like, oh, no, baby, this is the style. And he said, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be stylish. <laughs> so anyway, his jeans were up his ankles, and so he had to go to school the next day. Anyway, they were too tight, too small, whatever. <clears throat> so I said, okay, take your jeans off. I'm going to wash them. I'll dry them. And so I put them in uh, alone without anything else in the washing machine. And before I went to bed, I put them in the dryer, went to bed. The next morning... Or, or that night, I was folding some other clothes, and I just said to the Lord, you know, he needs another pair of jeans, but, and I'm saying this to him, I'm having this conversation, but I guess we'll have to get it next month, you know, when we have a little extra money. And uh, <clears throat> so I wake up the next morning, and I go to open my dryer and um, to get Samuel's jeans out, and lo and behold, there are two pairs of jeans in there. Now, there's the pair of jeans with the blown-out knees and um, that are his old pair. And then there's a pair. These were gray jeans. They weren't like blue jeans. They were gray jeans. And there's a pair just like them except one size larger. Okay, now, what, what went through my mind? Did an elf come to my house at night... And put, or did a child leave my house without his pants on? <laughs> I was so confused. I, but what happened is that I sowed and I was faithful in sowing and obedient in sowing. And so God is saying, I'm going to take care of all the, the things that you need. Everything in abundance now, we paid every bill that month, and we had food for the whole month. Now, I don't know how that happened, but I'm telling you, we never ran out. And we were not late with anything. So, God is able to take things from heaven and to make them appear out of nothing. But if we're not abiding under the shadow of his wings, how can we prosper in the days that are coming and, be, and really be the giants in the earth, the champions in the earth, because the rest of the world is going to be saying, oh, I'm starving and you guys are making food appear out of nothing. You're taking a can of corn and you're multiplying it. You, you're, you're shutting, you're like you look in, we're going to look in our pantry and there's going to be nothing there. We're going to shut the doors and say, Lord, I need 
X, Y, and Z, and you're going to open it up, and it's going to be there. Okay? And you're going to have testimonies like this. And we're going to be the testimony household, and people are going to be going, what are y'all doing over there, and what Kool-Aid are you drinking? <laughs> it's called the blood of Jesus. So you have to have your own oil, your own testimony, your own revelation of how to live without substance from the earth. You have to know how to live with the substance that is hoped for. Okay? You're going to have to be able to see it. You're going to have to be able to call it down. And you're going to have to be able to co-create it with God. And that's who we are called to be. You have to know how to sow and how to reap. Now, I say all of this to you because, again, there's a great opportunity for you to do it with our live stream. This is not manipulation. I'm telling you, whenever there's an opportunity, you need to run to that opportunity. I don't care whether it's this live stream or where it is or whatever it is that the Lord is telling you, but there is, there is actually... Uh, uh, abundance in sowing above the tithe. The tithe was created in Malachi chapter 3 to guard. It's like putting chicken wire around your garden. It's to guard the things that you have so it doesn't rust. The other is taking the talents and taking the things that God has given you and you in, begin to invest above the tithe and that's where the increase will happen for you. That's where you really begin to prosper, and that's when you start stepping into the supernatural abundance. Can I get an amen? amen. Are you guys doing good? Yes. All right, let's stand. So, Father, I thank you for every word that your Bible has told us about the days that we're living in and the days that we're rolling into. God, I thank you that you're building a company of champions in the earth, a remnant and those who will know how to carry your glory in the coming days, that they will know how to ascend and descend. So I ask for an anointing, God, that you would help us to have oil in our lamps. Fill us up in this hour, God, and that you would also help us to know how to how to um, um, invest the talents that you've given us. God, I pray that in these days we would be the head and not the tail. And we would be the people that the kings of the earth go, those are the ones who are the priests of the most high God. Let it be in this house, according to every word that you've spoken over us, in this city. And I thank you, God, for bringing in your harvest. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.